This match with Justino and Mute is much longer than expected, and they're going into a fifth set. We'll be sure to check back in a bit to monitor the match's progress. Josefina, where are you? It's been an hour. Somebody must have won by now. Holy moly, I completely forgot. But wait, it looks like they're still going. Well, there's no way it'll last more than 30 minutes at this point. Shravya, I've been watching this score for two hours and the score just keeps going up, up, up. No, wait. Justino finally won after a three-hour final set that ended in 18-16. to 16. How is it possible that they haven't collapsed on court, yet I've managed to take three naps in the course of this match? Hello everyone and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for tweens, teens, and other young tennis fans. We're your hosts Shravya and Josefina. Josefina and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Shravi and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the young female voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for. So we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. Welcome to this episode of Hold On To Your Racket. Today is September 29th, and after the first three days of Roland Garros, we have finally reached the second round of the French Open. First up on our news headlines plate, we have some news about the Labor Cup. You might have heard about this one. It's where there's two teams, Team World and Team Europe. It's one of Shravya and I's favorite tournaments because just the energy that they create there is amazing since the points don't really count for anything except for that tournament itself. So the news is that the 2022 Labor Cup has been announced to be held in London, in the O2 Arena where the 2012 Olympics took place actually, and where the ATP Finals used to take place. And as per schedule, the 2021 Labor Cup is still scheduled to be in Boston next year. So that's where it was supposed to be this year. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah, and for more current news, as far as the conditions in Paris, we've been talking about this a lot. The players are having some different thoughts on these. Victoria Azarenka in her first round match was literally freezing. She wore a jacket during her match, which is actually kind of impressive to be able to play in a jacket. But um after her match, she said that she's used to Florida weather and not the cold weather of the Paris fall. Dominic Thiem, on the other hand, says uh, said that he loves the weather and is used to it because he's from Austria. So we continue to see how the unique conditions in Paris are affecting people's games. But so far, Azarenka and Team were both able to pull through despite their differing views on the conditions in Paris. Okay, now going into our recap of the first round, we're going to go into our tennis talk section. And the first notable story is from the next-gen side of the ATP Tour, where Andre Rublev and Stefano Tsitsipas came back from two sets down in their first-round matches to take the match and move on to the second round in five sets. So... Rublev defeated Sam Querrey, the former Wimbledon semifinalist, 6-7, 6-7, 7-5, 6-4, 6-3. And Sam Querrey was actually serving for the match in the third set, 
but Rublev mounted an amazing comeback, and Tsitsipas de defeated Munar 4-6-2-6-6-1-6-4-6-4. And Munar was really producing some amazing clay court tennis, so very impressive performance from the Greek. As you can probably notice, both of them were finalists in Hamburg. So Josephina, tell us a little bit about how their status as being finalists in Hamburg kind of changed the way that they entered this tournament in terms of the quick turnaround. Well, yeah, I mean, imagine having to play that match and then just 48 hours later, they have to be in the first round of the French Open. First of all, they have to get there on the plane. They had to travel there, quarantine for 20 four hours meaning they could get no practice so and it takes time to adjust to the court since it's a whole different environment this is a grand slam we're talking about so them being able to adapt so quickly just shows how amazing they are as players both on and off the court yeah especially because they had to quarantine too and it's very it messes up the rhythm but impressive stuff from them both um all right and we also have another uh, story that kind of took the tennis, social media, and media world into a frenzy um, in the first round. Yeah, so this Mladenovic versus Sigmund match where um, Mladenovic had set point at 5-1, to one, but then Mladenovic lost six other points, six other set points to lose that set seven to five and the second set six three but the reason that she lost that set point was because when she hit a drop shot to Sigmund, Sigmund hit it after a double bounce but the umpire called it as not a double bounce so that's what caused the controversy maybe it was the umpire's fault maybe the cameras were off we're really not sure but even from like the television you could see that it was a double bounce that's why it's so confusing yeah so the controversy is a lot around who's to blame whether it's the umpire's fault whether it's bad sportsmanship from sigmund or did sigmund even notice that it was a double bounce but either way i mean i guess lezinovich probably should have closed the match anyway because she did have six other set points afterwards but it is bad luck especially given what happened to her at the u.s open with her ending up uh losing that second round match while having um while significantly leading so as you know in professional tennis as you saw with the Djokovic situation they can't use video replay unless it's Hawkeye which is a little bit different they can't use video replay for these types of decisions so Mladenovic put the blame on the umpire and not on Sigmund she said if Sigmund would have done it i.e if Sigmund would have surrendered the point she would have all my respect and be super fair play, but she's not the one responsible. I think the chair umpire is the one that should really be fo should be really focused on that call, which is totally fair. Um, and then she also raised the question of actually having video replay implemented because people were saying this at the time of the Djokovic default too. If video replay was there, the default decision would have, would have been made much quicker and that debate wouldn't have happened on the court. And in my opinion, at least, I feel like tennis should keep up with the times and implement video replay because if an umpire is like, if, if she wasn't watching for that split second and missed that double bounce, that changed the course of the entire match. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that statement because we do have Hawkeye and all these line calling technological thingy-majiggies, but you can't even replay the point on court. I just, that's kind of absurd, but we're progressing as we go, I guess. 
So next up, we have some record-breaking stuff. The quarantine mute versus Lorenzo Giustino match. It lasted six hours and five minutes, making it the second longest match in the history of Roland Garros and the fourth longest match in the history of Grand Slams. So the overall score was 0676726 and 18-16. So this was also the first Grand Slam win for the Italian player Giustino. So going into that, that's just, that's, you're going to remember that first Grand Slam win. I'm just I'm just guessing. Yeah, and I think Mute also had chances to serve out the match in the fifth set, which is also disappointing. Um, but, I mean, that's what happens. That's why um, best of five tennis and not having a grand uh, a tiebreaker in the final set, um, both on the WT and ATP side, can get pretty exciting at some points. So moving on to um, some of the other matches and the results from the first round. Josefina, let's take it away with the ATP recap. Yeah, just a quick summary of the ATP side of things in round one. Some of the top seeds that made it through were Novak Djokovic, Nadal, you might have heard of him, no, I'm kidding, (laughs) Dominic (laughs) Thiem, and Sasha Zverev. They all made it through in straight sets, so that was pretty cool of them, I guess. (laughs) But there were also some notable upsets. So Martin Fuskovics defeated Daniil Medvedev, who was the fourth seed, 6-4-7-6-2-6-6-1, but just for reference, uh, Medvedev is just continuing his four-time streak of never winning a match at Roland Garros. So I wouldn't really say it's notable, but he is the fourth seed. He was expected to go further, but here we are again, just like we were four years in a row. <laughs> so moving on to when Gael Monfils, the eighth seed, was defeated by Alexander Bublik. So Monfils was also expected to go to go far considering this is his own home slam as a Frenchman and we have been anticipating his return but Bublik also threw in a signature underhand serve in there if you remember in the Hamburg Open Bublik also did this against Christian Guerin who was just a little Guerin bit upset about it. was not having it. it but he, did. he was not having that <laughs> underhand serve. Bublik just threw caution to the wind and just decided you know what why not let's just do this i mean if it works it works <laughs> yeah i mean it kind of reminds me of the kyrgios also does that a little bit so also another more notable upset is david goffin even though he is the 11th seed the fact is who beat him and that's yannick sinner he beat him seven five six three six zero Goffin had a great hardcourt season, but the Italian teenager just got the best of him on clay, and we expect to see way more from him. That was super impressive stuff from Sinner. Yeah, Sinner continues to impress. And then if we go to the WTA side, some of the top seeds that made it through were Serena Williams, Simona Halep, who actually won on her birthday, uh, Karolina Pliskova, Alina Svitolina, Sofia Kennan, Garbinia Muguruza, who had a very close match, actually went to 8-6 in the third, and Kiki Burton, so they all made it through to the second round. And one of the most notable upsets was Coco Gauff defeating Joanna Conta in straight set 6-3, 6-3. So the teenager continues to impress, and Conta reached the semifinals here last year, but otherwise she's always bowed out in the early rounds in the French Open, so great win for Gauff. 
And Towson, the qualifier from Denmark, the 17-year-old who we were talking about in the last episode, actually defeated Jennifer Brady, and it went to 9-7 in the third set. So that is a very impressive win from her. Um, So that's definitely some great stuff from the teenager. Yeah, I mean, this was such a round for teenagers, especially considering Coco Goff, Towson, and also Sinner. Just all together, amazing stuff from the younger generation. For sure, and even with the Tsitsipas and Rublev comebacks, we we keep seeing these young players do well. And However, one of the veterans that did bow out was Anthony Kerber. Um, Yuvon defeated her handedly, and Shuai Zhang took out Madison Keys as well. So those are some big upsets there. Another interesting result was Yelena Ostapenko won her first round match, and the only other time she's won a first round match at Roland Garros was in 2017 when she ended up winning the whole thing. So statistically, based on the very limited data we have, Yelena Ostapenko <laughs> is going to be your 2020 Roland Garros <laughs> champion. You heard it here first. But if we, on a more um, realistic note, the data that we can rely on is the fact that seven American women have made it through to the second round. Bernardo Pera, Amanda Anisimova, Christina McHale, Serena Williams, Coco Goff, Danielle Collins, and Sloane Stevens all won their first round matches. And one last great result that we saw was Daria Gavrilova from Australia, who used to be a really great top 20 player, came back after a year off due to injury. I think she has a protected ranking, and she took out the 24th Street seed Yastremska. And Gavrilova faces Eugenie Bouchard in the next round, which should be a good one because Bouchard also seems to be making a little bit of a resurgence after receiving uh, a wild card into the French Open. Moving on to some of our tiebreakers, which is where we pick some matches that we think will spark some interest in viewers' eyes and just choose a winner because we have that tennisistic authority. <laughs> you bet we do. Um, my first tiebreaker for on the WTA side is Su Wei Shei versus Iga Swiatek. So Shei has an um, eclectic playing style if you've ever seen her. Um, and she likes to do a lot of slicing and a lot of cool, cool shots. And Swiatek just took out last year's finalist, Vondrosova. So I think that Iga Swiatek will probably take the win, given her great first round match. But uh, Shea Suwei could definitely challenge the young pole. My WTA pick is Vitana Peronkova versus Serena Williams. So this would be a rematch of the U.S. Open quarterfinal. The moms are back at it again. But unfortunately, not in later rounds, but still, they produced a great match last time. Pirinkova's calmer playing style really balanced out Serena's more aggressive style. So it was a really great match to watch and super entertaining. So I'm going to choose Serena Williams for the win because she did get the better of Pirinkova last time. And Pirinkova is a wild card into the French Open. So I don't know. Let's see what Serena Williams can do. Yeah, and if we're continuing our tiebreakers into the ATP side, the one that I've picked is Casper Ruud versus Tommy Paul, two other young players. So this is going to be a tough match for both of them, and I do think Casper Ruud will be stretched, but given his recent performance in Rome and Hamburg, Clay is his favorite surface, I'm going to pick him for the win, but Tommy Paul is definitely a competitor to keep an eye out for because he could certainly challenge Ruud in this match. 
So my pick for the ATP side is Dusan Lajovic versus Kevin Anderson. Kevin Anderson leads 2-0 in the head-to-head, but Lajovic is seeded in this tournament. And it could honestly go either way because we know Kevin Anderson for his experience, especially at the U.S. Open where he made it so far. But Lajovic has been playing well recently, especially at the recent Hamburg and Italian Open. So I'm going to give it to Lajovic for the win. It's time for the drum roll, please. Tennis ball frisk quiz. The segment we do here on Hold On To Your Racket, where Shravi and I do some trivia questions throughout the tournament that we are doing at the time, obviously. And then at the end of the tournament, we round up and tally up all those points to crown a tennis ball frisk quiz whiz. Shravya, take it away. Okay, so Roland Garros is obviously known as the clay court grand slam. So which of the following materials is not part of the Roland Garros court surface? A. Limestone B. Brick C. Granite or D. Metal Mm, C. Granite That is correct. Granite is the material that is not part of the Roland Garros court surface. Nice. (laughs) Okay. The longest match at Roland Garros remains the 2004 first round encounter between Spaniard Fabrice Santoro and Frenchman Arnaud Clement. How much longer was it than Lorenzo Giustino versus Corentin Moutet's new second place holder of a match at Roland Garros? Is it A, an hour and 14 minutes longer, B, 34 minutes longer, C, 28 minutes longer, or D, 47 minutes longer? Um, I'm gonna guess C. Yeah, that's right. It is oh, 28 minutes like, longer. I knew like an hour plus, would, like a seven plus hour match would be way too long. So, <laughs> um, I guessed on the last three. But I think if we look at our overall score for the Roland Garros uh, tennis ball frisk quiz so far, I think I'm leading two to one. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. So we'll see how we uh, how we perform in our next tennis ball frisk quiz. So another one of our segments here on Hold On to Your Racket is our aces and our double fault section. So we kind of highlight some of the great things in the tennis world in the recent weeks and some of the not so great things. So our ace for today is actually a story about the late Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So the New York Times reported that when RBG was a law professor in the 1970s, she helped a 15-year-old girl from New Jersey sue her high school tennis team for not letting her try out for the boys team, and this was before Title IX. So I know this story was amazing to hear, especially to see how her legacy tied in with the tennis world, but I know for Josefina, it was even more personal. Yeah, I mean, yes not yesterday, I meant last year, I was supposed to be the tennis team captain. And the thing in my school is that we don't have enough girls to create a girls tennis team. So I would have been the boys varsity team captain. So I mean, that's pretty big for me. But when I read this story, it's just amazing to see how somebody's life goals, not goals, I guess, achievements, can reach so far throughout like it even seeped into the tennis world and affected me and that's why it just yeah it was so personal yeah but i mean 
Claire, it's it was this such a great story to hear and to see everything that she's done on a bigger stage, but even this small case um, was so nice to hear as as two girl tennis players. On the other hand, we do have a double fault. So Mats Wielander, who was a retired professional tennis player, made a recent comment about Andy Murray following his first round loss to Stan Wawrinka. Um, and Wielander said, quote, I worry about Andy Murray, giving us a false sense of hope he's going to come back one day. Does he have a right to be out there taking wild cards from the young players? As a disclaimer, all the young French men's wild cards in Roland Garros also lost in the first round. Josephina, I will let you take away, take it away with giving your thoughts on this Wielander comment yeah just something that was just made this comment so much worse was that Andy Murray posted on his Instagram story sarcastically saying under it love this thumbs up that just that almost (laughs) made me cry that was so sad the fact that he's seeing all this like stuff about him like imagine just waking up to your phone full of notifications like we don't believe in you anymore. We only have doubt in you. That's just, that's cyberbullying right there. That's not nice. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if Andy Murray wants to keep playing the sport that he loves, even while battling through a metal hip, that's up to him. You've seen, like, true champions like Andy Murray and Venus Williams. They they are two prime examples of how two people who genuinely love the sport will continue Venus Williams was playing on the third show court where she's the player in the women's draw who has the second most grand slams out of everyone in that draw, yet she's still out there playing. Andy Murray is a player who would be more than happy to play through qualifying if he had to because he knows that his movement, he's admitted this, he knows that his game and his movement will never be at the same level that it used to be. He has a metal hip. Of course it won't be the same way that it used to be, but he, he was still fair enough to be critical of himself. He said that match was one of the worst losses of my career. And I don't think I'm going to have that match, another match like that from now until next year. Because sure, my movement might not be the same, but my technique and my shot making and all of that, there was no reason for that to be below par. So you can tell that Andy Murray does have that in him to want to improve. He also said, hey, I beat Sasha Zverev a few weeks ago at the Western and Southern Open. Sasha Zverev went on to make the U.S. Open final. Yeah, give the man a chance. Yeah, he came back from two sets down against Yoshihiro Nishioka in the first round and won that match, and that was a marathon. So Andy Murray still has that grit in him, and maybe at some point if he's already gotten a wild card into all the Grand Slams once and didn't make it as far as maybe he would have liked, I don't think that's going to keep him from trying. And no one should be out there judging him for keep being to play the sport that he loves because that's up to him and that's what a real competitor does. They don't give up. Thank you so much for joining us and that is game, set, and match for today. If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of the French Open, upcoming tournaments, and updates on all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourbracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at holdontoyourbracket on Instagram and at hotyr underscore tennis pod on Twitter. 
Our next episode will be released in a couple days where we recap the men's and women's second round at Roland Garros and take a look at what's to come for the third round. So stay tuned for that. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravya. That is, if you enjoyed this episode. If you didn't like it, please tell your friends my name is Tom and Shravya's name is Bob. See you next time.